Good morning. Now, what if I said right now, let's do the call to worship or let's get on with communion? (laughs) I'm sure that you would be giving me signals from where you sit or waiting to get me at the back as we go out so you can say, you didn't welcome us. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. But why did I mention it? Let me tell you, I don't like functional greetings. We have on the, the, what you have in your hand, welcome. That's not enough. I really do welcome you. It's not because someone told me to. <laughs> I, I welcome you in the sanctuary this morning. When we gather, I look at people who are here and what's going on in their lives and look at others who aren't here and wondering where they are and why. I welcome you in the sanctuary and I welcome people joining us in worship today via YouTube. You know, The first act of worship is when a person decides to go to worship that day and then focuses on the importance of worship. That is not a perfunctory act. Coming together is a part of worship. So this morning, I welcome all of you to worship with Northminster Church. And I ask you to be aware that your presence is a contribution to this worship service. And it is important that you know you are a part of the service and we are glad that you are here. Now join me as we continue beginning today's service of worship. We come together today to once again taste the bounty of God's grace. In our worship, grace comes through partaking in God's wisdom. else can we find wisdom? It is only in God. It comes to us through the word and love of God. Sophia is here, offered freely to the taking. Let us freely partake. Let us worship God. Friday afternoon, filled with alarm and fear, I listened to the governor of Louisiana warn us of 
the threats of death we face, and a crisis situation like we have never experienced before. We are fighting a COVID-19 that we could have already virtually stopped. Now we are praying because we didn't pay attention to the doctors and scientists who gave us the ways to be safe and to get well. And then Friday night, I learned that in Ciego Diavola, Cuba, the town in which our sister church ministers has been heavily spiked by the Delta variant, worried by that news, I spent a long time that night picturing faces I love and imagining the struggle Cuban friends are experiencing in a dire situation. Hotels are being transformed into hospitals. Pregnant women are being moved into somewhat safer surroundings. Cubans are scared. Additional ambulances and other types of transportation have been sent to the province. Now keep in mind, food is scarce in Ciego Diavola. New medications are nowhere to be found. Neither a drugstore nor a grocery store is conveniently placed on a corner. Doctors, nurses, and hospital beds are in short supply. Products of the 20th century have been embargoed since the early 1960s because of a revolution that Americans first cheered and then condemned. This island is and has been for a long time suffering more than necessary because of a blockade that should have been lifted long ago. And now, it's getting worse. God forgive us. I've been working with a group of international religious leaders trying to get vaccines into parts of the world that are being ignored because of their government's meanness. But the citizens aren't mean. They merit vaccines. Cuba has less than approximately 23% of its people with vaccines. We'll pray here, call the names we know. I want us to pray this morning for our brothers and sisters in Cuba. Holy God, this morning we pray for our brothers and sisters in Cuba. We're not begging you for grace and healing. We know you have blessed these people in Emmanuel Baptist Church over and over in both good and difficult times. The COVID-19 virus is dangerous enough already, especially 
with the spread of Delta variant. Today, God, we want our friends in Cuba to know we care for them and want to help them. How we long to be able to show them our love and walk with them through this dangerous time. God, give strength to Eduardo Gonzalez, their pastor, as he with great empathy calms their fears, sits with them in sickness, and comforts them amid deaths. Certain, dead certain, that the always caring prior ministers, Noel Fernandez and Ormara, are reaching out to help people who are hurting we pray for their protection as they work to help others at their own risk. God, help these people in some way, in some way to be able to feel our touch, our love, and our care. These people know you so well, Holy One. They trust you. Their faith is strong but we want them to know we are with them as you are, as deaths continue, neighbors suffer, children fear. God, we feel helpless. And that's why we want them to feel our embrace and efforts to help. Assure them that they are not alone. God, help them and help us know how to help them and help ourselves. Amen.
reading from the Hebrew Proverbs. Wisdom cries out in the street, in the squares she raises her voice. At the busiest corner she cries out, at the entrance of the city gates she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. These are the ancient words of wisdom. Thanks be to God. continue to say our prayers. Loving God of mercy and peace, occasionally it's time to say our prayers and we have no words. Amid the business and preoccupations that define the adult world, give us the wisdom to teach children and learn from children. We give thanks for the people in our fellowship who this coming week will devote time and energy to leading Vacation Bible School. We are grateful for the youngest members of our congregation who will spend time together in this building, learning truths and nurturing habits that will strengthen the foundations on which they build the remainder of their lives and inspire us with their music, powerful love, laughter, questions, and enthusiasm. As we pray today, make us self-aware enough to realize why we are disappointed, confused, and not sure what to say or do right now. God, we need interaction with each other, people around us who can tell us we can make it and mean it, and memories of education that aid our journeys slowed down by fatigue. There are so many whys, why, 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 in the various mazes of our lives for which we want answers. Strengthen our wisdom so we will know when to keep going at full speed and when to pause for fresh breaths and new ideas or sensitivity to when it is time to quit. All wise God, we want to be a church filled with people who love you with our minds as well as with our bodies, souls, and emotions. Fill us with a sense of urgency for growth in our spirituality in order that we may be strengthened in ourselves and more helpful in our contributions to this church and the community of which it is a part. God, excite us about learning now so that we never will be guilty of wasting our minds as tools for loving you and experiencing enriching lives. And yes, God, Teach us the ways of love, real love, that strengthen us so we will not be bogged down in sadness. 
God, listen to your children praying all ages and know that we are listening to you. Amen.
reading from the letter of Paul to the church at Ephesus. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of our sacred teachings. Thanks be to God.
a dire dearth of wisdom is creating a burgeoning crisis. Spin doctors parlay failures into accomplishments and twist lies to sound like authoritative truths. We could build sophisticated weaponry, and we do, but cannot develop effective strategies for waging peace. We can develop campaigns to sell pet rocks, though we can't sell the nation on the absolute necessity of healthy public schools. Technology and money lift travelers into outer space while it seems like we can't fill potholes in our streets. Way too often, I feel surrounded by stupid people. <laughs> people both without knowledge and wisdom who do not care enough about that condition to drop whatever they are doing and seek wisdom. Scripture writers gave me the question I feel so often, you heard it, how long, O oh simple ones, do you love being simple? I know the ache that accompanies that question. In the early days of my life, at least six times a week, I spent multiple hours in religious experiences in a church and a culture that boasted about its members' lack of education. I heard prayers of praise for ignorance. While I was excitingly preparing to begin my seminary education, a designated group of ministers in our community paid a visit to my parents in an effort to try to persuade them to forbid me from attending a seminary. A seminary education can ruin Welton, the concerned clerics, the orthodox police told my parents. Those people will teach him ways to think and educate him in progressive thoughts that can cause him to change and no longer believe as we believe, they pleaded. Thank God my mother and father, though troubled by what these longtime friends of theirs fear-engendering clergy had told them, were willing to say no to a dream that had been birthed in me that was moving toward fulfillment. Numerous times in a service in my home church, I heard someone say how simple faith is and how even non-educated individuals can understand the Bible perfectly and preach as well as teach its scriptures on the basis of their hunches and intuitions which they claimed God gave them. I remember the thrill that rocked my soul one day when 
reading a historian of first century Christianity who pointed out the success of early Christianity was attributable to the fact that Christians did better thinking than the rest of the world. T.S. Glover wrote, Christians read the best books, assimilated them, and lived the freest intellectual life of the world. There is no place for an ignorant Christian who did the best thinking in that ancient world. Again and again, it was the Christians who outthought the world. The Apostle Paul understood that truth, and the tent maker actually chided members of the church in Corinth, telling them that he wanted and needed to speak to them as mature Christians, smart Christians, but their lack of study, learning, and wisdom required that he speak to them only as children. I fed you with milk, not solid food, Paul said, for you were not ready for it, and even yet you're not ready. The great commandment tells us to love God with our minds as well as with our hearts, souls, and strength. Listen to the author of Hebrews. There is much we have to say, but it is hard to explain to you because you are so slow to understand. And slow meant mentally dull or unwilling to think. The writer of Proverbs, you heard it just again, still resounds in my mind and heart. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom. Wisdom enables us to use our knowledge, though we must distinguish between smart and being wise. Scores of smart people cannot compensate for the scarcity of wise people. Analytical expertise and a mystery of scientific methods do not necessarily indicate the presence of wisdom. Intellectual sophistication allows a person to quote authorities. Wisdom enables a person to know the value of the quotes. Being smart provides people with the ability to make explosives. Wisdom helps people understand whether or not explosives should be made. National leaders who excel in partisan politics are not wise enough to sacrifice the good of the nation for the goals of a political party and seek to convince the public of their exemplary moral responsibility. The sermon for today is not about politics, technology, marketing, cosmetology, and the like. One of the Christian scriptures in the lectionary readings for today begins, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise people, as wise. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is.
Where shall wisdom be found? The Hebrews writer named Job asked. And where is the place of understanding? Job answered his own questions. God understands the way to wisdom and knows its place. I want to talk about wisdom and wise people because I think right now words from Proverbs best describe our world. Wisdom cries out in the street. In the squares, she raises her voice. Wisdom is crying. Most any dictionary will define wisdom as the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong, good judgment, accumulated knowledge, to know how to think and best utilize knowledge. Most dictionaries of the Bible associate the word wisdom with people who think and conduct themselves in a socially sensitive and morally right way. As I've said many times, wisdom was used as a synonym for the word God. More often, though, wisdom was considered a gift from God that, if embraced and followed, would result in a life of integrity characterized by social sensitivity, moral correctness, and devotion to God. Wisdom is holy, godlike, reverence, guidance, devotion, truth, mystery. A, a great hymn, the first hymn in our hymn book, and the one we sang just as a few minutes ago. A great hymn sings the truth of wisdom and God. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible, hid from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, your great name we praise. Given the severity of the truth in this sermon, I thought it might be helpful to simply speak of some of the gifts of wisdom provided by the God with whom we are walking now, the God we are seeking to serve in the days ahead, the God to whom we have given our hearts and dedicated our lives. The first gift of God's wisdom leads us into the presence of the one true God, steering us away from our little gods of personal opinions and social preferences, preventing us from embracing a false deity that has hijacked God's identity and our loyalty and wisdom. Let's be really clear about the God we worship and seek to serve. A mistake about divine identity can ruin a life. We do well to examine our beliefs and feelings under the illumination of the wisdom commended by Solomon. A variety of 
respected pollsters have documented that though a high percentage of the American people claim to believe in God, strikingly few of these theistic believers can describe the kind of God in which they believe. There seem to be more little gods, small g, than the only God, capital G. To what God are we dedicated? Let's make it clear. The one God who gave us life or a God we created and made authoritative. The ancient Hebrews imperative evokes within me a deep-seated longing for as much certainty as is possible that I am serving the God who created me, loves me, and calls me into divine service, not some imposter deity born of a particular culture and shaped by a provincial dream. Like my good friend Reza Aslan, who concerned about the distortion of God in much of Muslim, authored a terrific entitled book, No God But God. I want to be as sure as I can be that I am serving not no God, but God. That sense of certainty requires wisdom. Then there is the gift of healthy spirituality. One reason that so many Christians, individuals, and churches fall so short of expectations of Jesus and teachings of his because they don't know the scriptures. They have not explored the meaning of Christianity in this century, and they have allowed the rest of the world to exceed them in knowledge and wisdom. No group can be a church if the people involved don't know what a church is. Wisdom is essential to healthy spirituality, solid faith, intelligent witness, and awareness of how best to intersect with our world. Wise people understand the importance of humility. So many people have fallen so in love with themselves that they cannot learn from others, not even if one of the others is God. Lay wisdom's gift is as practical as it is spiritual. Much of the Bible's wisdom literature relates to nations and governments. Here are two examples. The first is the divine notice in Proverbs 14.34, which says, righteousness exalts a nation. The true strength of any government is not to be found in its stockpile of weapons or the skills of its military, not the size of its gross national product or interest rates established by boards of financial institutions. Any question about the greatness of a nation requires inquiry 
related to righteousness. How a nation treats its children. How it welcomes immigrants. How it assures justice. How it provides for the weakest among its citizens. How it opens its arms to strangers in need of care. The second was highlighted on June 16, 1858 in Springfield, Illinois at the meeting of the Republican State Convention when Abraham Lincoln delivered a speech inspired by Jesus who in all three of the synoptic gospels is quoted as saying, a house divided against itself cannot stand. The message is unquestioned as documented truth, forcing me to ask, how long, O oh Lord, how long, God, will we continue to ignore the wisdom of Scripture and statehood? Our nation is seriously, dangerously divided. I appreciate diversity but I have no respect for intractable division in the life of our nation. Lady Wisdom tells us that division is the road to destruction. No exceptions. Of course, the wisdom literature of the Bible also relates to our personal lives. Here are two examples of that truth. We need to know all we can know. Lady Wisdom is really put out with people who are proud of their ignorance. Wisdom said that since no one had listened to or reached out to embrace her counsel, she would laugh and the calamity that would result from people's pride in ignorance. In the scriptures, a disgusted wisdom says, quote, when panic strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, you will call on me then, and I will not answer. We also need to know what we don't know. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus told a parable about ten maidens, five of whom were foolish and five were wise, waiting for a bridegroom who was running late. Questions about time became urgent. Jesus identified himself with people who didn't know the time. After a reference to the end of time recorded in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus outright declared, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Only. I admire Jesus for his self-awareness on the one hand and his stark honesty to others on the other hand. All of the people, all of the people that you have heard all of these years telling you what the end time is and exactly when it's going to happen, claim to be smarter than Jesus. Here's a terrific and important insight 
into the nature of religion. Faith is not about facts, data, and dates. Faith is about confidence, trust, and belief. Faith is a product of wisdom. Science is a product of knowledge. Faith is a citizen in the realm of mystery. Science is a discipline that dabbles in tangibility, test tubes, documentable theories and formulas for establishing certainty. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that tragic consequences ensure, ensue when people treat religion as science or when they treat science as religion. The two should be held with mutual respect and devoid of any sense of competition. Science should be taught in classrooms as a matter of the head, a component in being smart. Faith should be taught in houses of worship and homes as a matter of the heart, a component of being wise. As you can see, the principle involved here is applicable beyond spiritual matters. No one can invest in life at one level and expect to derive benefits from life at a completely different level. In other words, the quality of life we experience will be determined by the quality of life we pursue. Be careful. God's wisdom is for now, not for another time, not to employ in the world to come. And inability to recognize that reality is proof in itself of a lack of wisdom. If you embrace what you consider higher wisdom than God's, uh, that's better for the present moment, they say. Well, take a good look around and see just how well your kind of wisdom is working in our world. We've heard again the urgency of wisdom and looked briefly at how wisdom can impact our nation and our lives for good. I make those observations sharing with you an invitation offered in the book of James. Listen, these are the best words and most promising words in this sermon. This is scripture. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproaching, and wisdom will be given. As we prepare to observe Holy Communion, we just wanted to remind everyone of some of the measures we've taken to increase safety 
while trying to preserve the sanctity of, of the communion. So you will notice that as you are led to take communion, you'll be directed to the pulpit side of the building. You'll pass through, you'll extend your hands, and the communion elements will be placed in your hands. And we ask that you wait. You'll notice that the, that the uh, second table has been moved a little bit further along this week. We ask that you wait until you reach the second table. You can remove your mask, take the communion elements, then replace your mask and return to your seat.
please be seated. Before our closing hymn, we'd like to share a few opportunities and announcements with you. Vacation Bible School for kids kindergarten through fifth grade begins today and goes through Wednesday. It will be from 5.30 to 7 each day. Uh, Beth, is there anything else that we need to know? Good deal. Well, let's keep our leaders and our children in mind this week as they enjoy Vacation Bible School. Also, I'd like to remind everyone that our missions trunk emphasis for August is the Council on Aging Food Pantry. You'll notice in the church newsletter there's a specific list of items that they're looking for, so please keep that in mind. If you're not a member of Northminster and would like to know more about joining our fellowship, please know that we're always excited to have new members in our congregation. Feel free to speak with one of our worship leaders after today's service, or you can email or call the church office and someone will get in touch with you. That information is also in the order of worship. Following today's service, you're welcome to take some of the beautiful flowers from our communion table to help brighten your or someone else's week. Otherwise, please check out the insert in the order of worship for opportunities and announcements. Finally, if you found a place of community or healing or hope at Northminster and believe in the work that we're doing, we ask that you consider supporting us financially so that we'll be able to continue creating a space like this in the days to come. You can place your offering in the plate at the back of the sanctuary. You can give online via our website, or you can mail your offering to the church office. Thank you, and now let's all stand for our closing hymn.